Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of AUSU's Open Mic Podcast, brought to you by the Athabasca University Students' Union, representing over 38,000 students across Canada. In case you haven't already noticed, our fearless executive director, Jody Campbell, is not hosting today. Instead, you get me, your current AUSU Vice President of Finance and Administration, Leah Campbell. I'm very honored to be hosting today and even more honored to introduce today's topic and our special guest. So without further ado, today's topic is one that has become increasingly relevant and crucial for everyone, not just students, to learn about. And that's e-safety. To help me educate our listeners on all things e-safety, I'd like to welcome our special guest, Joshua Nadal. Hey, Josh, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. I've been looking forward to joining you guys all day to teach everybody about SME safety. Awesome. Kind of feels like my worlds are colliding a little bit here as Josh actually works with me at Alliance Accounting Group, which is my other job outside of AUSU. And he serves there as our amazing IT manager. So again, Josh, welcome to AUSU's Open Mic Podcast. We're really glad to have you with us today. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah. So before we get into our topic, can you tell us a bit about yourself, maybe about your role at Alliance Accounting Group or what led you to a career in IT? Sure. Well, I have been looking at either uh, becoming a chef or an IT person when I was in high school, but technology seemed to be the safer career path and it was just as interesting to me. I've always liked to uh, continue in my education and always keep up to date on things. So it was a pretty easy choice that way. I went to ACC for two years in Brandon, Manitoba and taking the Network Administration Technology course. And after that, I went on to work for the city of Brandon for six months. And then I went to work at my current position here at Alliance Accounting with you. That's awesome. Did you want to talk a bit about what you do at Alliance Accounting Group? Sure. So I do just about everything technology related, whether it's be help desk, project management, or back-end server maintenance, all of the above. I work with other companies outside of the company. Alliance Accounting Group also has a MSP that I work with closely to do larger projects such as server migrations and things like that. So awesome, Josh. You're definitely the right person to be talking to about all things e-safety and we sure are super lucky to have you at Alliance Accounting Group too. So to start us off, can you provide us with a basic definition of e-safety and why it's important for students? Sure. Well, e-safety just boils down to thinking before you click, being aware of what type of scams are out there and taking just a few preventative steps to protect yourself. It is important for everyone to think about this seriously because hackers and scammers do this to everyone and for a variety of reasons, including financial gain, informational gain, misinformation spread, and even just for malicious fun sometimes. They do not exclusively target corporations and rich and influential people. Do you have any examples some of these activities might look like? Yeah, so for example, uh, something I've been seeing a lot recently is that people have their social media accounts um, taken over and then at that point it's kind of used as a trusted source to uh, scam others that are connected to that person. So say on Facebook, it would be your friends list. At that point, they can uh, give them a lot of information about the individual account holders and use that to access their accounts or uh, are not directly accessed, but more or less 
try to access using their personal information because some things that people will do quite commonly is very personal information in their security questions and things like that. Another way of going about it would be access to an email account. And the reason why that is so dangerous is because your email account is directly linked to just about every account that you hold on the World Wide Web. So your Facebook account, well, if you lose its password, you reset it with your email. Same goes for your uh, banking account information sometimes, depending on which bank you're with. And same will go with anything to do with gaming or school or so on and so forth. Most of your accounts can be reset just by using an email account. Yeah, so basically I'm hearing that e-safety encompasses not only our individual behavior and awareness, but also utilization of protective measures that we can employ. So often, I guess, our first line of defense in most cases is our password. Can you talk to me a bit about making a strong password? Absolutely. There is a very uh, common comic that I will look at. It's uh, by a website called XKCD, and it goes through... Well, their main tagline is that through 20 years of effort, we've successfully trained everyone to use passwords that are hard for humans to remember, but easy for computers to guess. And the example they give is just a common word, uh, non-gibberish, so troubadour, and they will just put a capital letter at the front. They will use some common substitutions like a zero for a O, and then they will use just a number and a symbol right at the end. Doing it like that, at uh, you only get 28 bits of entropy, which is just basically how difficult it is to for a computer to start calculating what your password might be. And at a thousand guesses a second, it would only take three days to guess a password like that. And then it's just really hard for someone to remember, oh, which, you know, substitutions did I make or um, what numbers or symbols did I use at the end and what combination? Whereas if you were just to use a very simple password, such as correct horse battery staple, you end up getting 44 bits of entropy just by it being so long and being four completely random words. So it makes it so that it's very hard for a computer to guess what that password is, taking 550 years at 1,000 guesses a second, which is the same as what we used for the previous calculation. And then for how hard it is to remember it, well, the, oh, you can just think of a horse saying that's a battery staple, looking at a battery with a staple in it, and correct horse battery staple, super easy. This is something that I've been pushing for quite a while now, and with very little modification, you can make it even uh, stronger by just adding in one random symbol anywhere in the four words. And it just kind of scrambles it up a little bit and uh, makes it not just the words anymore. And then additionally, I would recommend not using uh, dictionary words, such as in this example there, using something like correct, Try to use more uncommon words like uh, the names of brands and things like that. Now, the next thing I would say is uh, length is definitely king when it comes to passwords. I try to make every password I use at least 12 characters, but the more the merrier. 
If you add a symbol or two numbers or a capital letter, because that's the requirement of the site that you are going to be using, then you want to put it somewhere random in the password. Don't put it at the beginning or the end of words. Just put it like right in the middle of, say, correct and correct horse battery staple. And then if you really want to just keep with lots of gibberish passwords, say you want to have uh, 16 to 18 character passwords and it's just going to be straight gibberish, they're going to be really strong. Well, obviously, it's extremely difficult to remember how every single password you need. So for myself, I use a password manager. So I have around 40 accounts with unique, large, gibberish passwords. However, I just use one strong password to access that whole vault of information. Well, that's awesome. I, I can attest to Josh's uh, pushing of strong passwords. He makes us use passphrases at Alliance Accounting Group, and we have to change them quarterly. And I am one that struggles to remember what my passwords are. Um, so you mentioned a password management system could definitely be helpful. Can you talk to us a bit about this type of software and maybe what one you use? Okay, well, I use LastPass. It is a very... Uh, easy to use piece of software. It is free. And a lot of IT people um, are mixed on this. However, uh, from my point of view, it is a single point of failure. But I find that talking to other people in the industry, they agree that the benefits far outweigh the risks. The reason for that is even though it is just one password protecting every other password you have, and making it a single point of failure, it keeps you from using the same password for every account. So premium version versus the free version. So most of these password managers do have a paid version or a free version. And with LastPass, it's the same. The free version only allows either access on your mobile devices, like your cell or your laptop, desktop devices, not both types. So you can either have your iPad and your cell phone with access to LastPass, and, or you can have your computer and laptops. That's the main restriction with the free type. The paid version, however, allows you access on both. To start with, I'd recommend using the free version on your cell phone so you can have access to it anywhere. For example, if you have an Xbox account, you might need to log into your Xbox account uh, on your Xbox and you won't have your desktop computer in the same room. So it's nice to just be able to open up your cell phone, open up the app, sign into it. Uh, you can use your fingerprint uh, scanner to do that. And then you'll have access to your password for that. Uh, later on, if you find that this is a very useful feature for you, that you would like to have it on both your cell and your laptop and desktops and you can upgrade for that for $55 a year and it's not too expensive that way if you look at it on a monthly basis you're paying less than you would for any Netflix or Disney subscription now password autofill on a computer through a browser extension is another big feature that LastPass has so if you use Google Chrome for example you can install the LastPass extension and sign into it. Now when you go to a website, say you're going to uh, office.com to sign into your school email, 
As soon as you go to the sign-in page, it will notice which page you're on. It will grab your password and your username from your vault. It will autofill it onto your computer, and it will allow you to sign in. The next thing that it can do is it has strong gibberish password generation. So you can make specific options like uh, whether it uses symbols or not, or numbers or not, or make it easy to read uh, what length of password you want. And it will automatically generate strong passwords for you that you can use across all of your sites. The reason this is useful is because it's not so easy to come up with these things just off the top of your head in a way that is easy to input on those one-offs where you won't have autofill available. And the last thing I'm going to say is that you're going to want to mitigate a lot of your risk with two-factor authentication. So with LastPass and with a lot of accounts out there, you can have a second factor of authentication by using your cell phone. Um, two different ways of really doing that. Oh, I love hearing about LastPass, Josh. It sounds like a great program. Um, I know at AUSU, the organization actually uses LastPass and has had great experiences with it, uh, especially since they also use a whole bunch of different software and obviously have a bunch of different passwords to remember. So you're talking about two-factor authentication. Can you explain a bit more about what that is? Sure. On your cell phone, there are two ways of doing it. You can do it through text message or you can download a two-factor app. SMS spoofing and email being tied to every account makes the app the best choice as it is only tied to one device. However, two-factor at all is better than not using it. You can use the free Google Authenticator or LastPass Authentication if you decide to enter that suite of products. What happens if you lose your device? Well. My mom and I use each other as alternate backup email addresses so that we can help each other access our accounts in the case that we lose our two-factor device. Doing this allows us to easily gain access to our account again, deactivate two-factor, and then reactivate it on a new device. It can be a pain and a lot of work, but it should be that way, else it would be easy for attackers as well. I love your relationship with your mom. She seems so great, Josh. <laughs> my biggest fear actually is losing my phone somewhere. What a nightmare that would be. But it seems like you've come up with a plan of attack to make it easy on you if that ever were to happen. But I guess someone physically taking our phone isn't our only threat or us losing it. We're seeing an increased number of phishing scams and other dodgy online activity that is alarming. What do students need to know if they encounter something that seems sketchy? All they really need to do is slow down and really take a look. There are usually a lot of indicators that something is up. Do they want something from you? Information, money, to click a link, respond to an unknown person, or to give you something? Is there a sense of urgency to force you into acting instead of thinking? These types of communications, even from someone you trust, should be treated with suspicion. Usually they will try to gain your trust through acting like a legitimate website or business or even a friend if they've gained access to one of their email or social media accounts. The second is that they will use some sense of urgency, such as a final notice to pay your hydro bill or a heat will be disconnected or pay these overdue tuition. The second is that they will use some sense of urgency, such as a final notice to pay your hydro bill or your heat will be disconnected or pay these overdue tuition fees or your enrollment will be affected. Sometimes they will even act like they are trying to give you something. Contact the source through unknown good means. 
walk into the school office to ask about your overdue amount or call the number on Manitoba Hydro's website. Call your friend. Just talk to them in a way that cannot be obscured by the attacker. Never use the contact information given to you in an email that you were not expecting. So if you're going to contact Manitoba Hydro, if you're going to contact your bank about something that you've received, just go ahead and go to Google and find the official helpline on their site. So really, you're just saying don't trust the contact information that is actually in the email because that's how they get you. These are really good tips. Being vigilant is key. It's sad that we have to be so distrusting of the intent of others, but I guess it's better to be overly cautious than end up in a situation that could lead to serious monetary loss or worse, your identity could be stolen. So moving more towards the protection of our devices, is there any free software you suggest that can help uh, keep students even more safe and secure when they're going online? For sure. The main piece of software I always like to talk about is the built-in free antivirus on all Microsoft Windows computers. It is called Windows Defender. These days, every time you buy a new computer, it comes with a free trial of some paid antivirus like Norton or McAfee. When that runs out, it will start asking you to pay for it. And we all know that we have enough subscriptions in our lives to start with, so adding an additional one when it's not super necessary is just not fun for anyone. So in 99% of the situations for a regular person, the built-in free antivirus is gonna do more than enough for you and will actually be easier on your computer. So I always recommend to uninstall and stop paying for McAfee or Norton and just look for Windows Defender on your computer and make sure it is active and it is up to date. Often after doing this, you'll find your computer to be faster as well because Norton and McAfee have a lot of other features that most people just don't care about and don't use that are running in the background and really slowing down your computer. So on a computer that you're finding is running really slow, doing this can actually extend its lifespan in the sense that it'll feel more usable. And I will reiterate to make sure you fully uninstall McAfee or Norton from your computer. Google how to install it if you're not familiar. The reason for this is that if you have multiple antiviruses on your computer at the same time, they will both act as if the other is a attacker of some sort, and they will fight each other for access to your files which will really bog down your system. So if you're changing out your antiviruses and you're having started to have some issues with speed, just make sure that you don't have more than one. That's a really good tip, Josh. I would never have thought that. I love to hear that Windows Defender is actually like compatible or compatible or wow. I love to hear that Windows Defender is actually competing with some of these paid antiviruses. That's really good to know. And who needs Google when you have a Josh? You've really spoiled me, Josh. Working with you is like having a walking, talking technology manual, and it's wonderful. The government should issue one of you for everyone, especially students. A discussion of e-safety would not be complete without discussing or discussing social media, uh, which has become a, such a major part of our everyday lives. How does social media fit into this conversation of e-safety? Well, I've already spoken about how social media can be used if it's compromised, such as using it to trick your friends or your family uh, that they are you and then taking some uh, 
bad steps to um, either spread the misinformation or even attempt to get you to unlock something for them or give give them a password, something like that. However, there is more than one thing that is worth your time. Go through the settings on all of your social media profiles and customize them. There are a lot of security settings in there that are very useful. The main thing is to look for is how to make all of your information only visible to friends. This will significantly reduce how much of your information is publicly available for use in attacks and scams against you. Finally, go through your friends list and cut them down. Debbie from middle school, who you have not spoken to for 15 years, does not need a front row to see to your life anymore. Sorry, Debbie, you didn't make the cut. <laughs> well, that's really awesome. I bet you it's a lot of uh, that's stuff that a lot of us don't even think to go in and check and customize. I definitely know that I'm going to be doing that after this. I guess the term friend has really taken on new life, hey? Perhaps we would all do well with revisiting what a friend really is. Might help cut down on the list some. So aside from social media, are there certain areas of our lives that are more susceptible to scams, phishing, or general online shadiness? Absolutely. Malicious activity is everywhere. The best thing you can do to protect yourself from it is to be aware of it. Never give cash to someone for an endorsed check, no matter their sob story, it's going to likely bounce. Never send someone the money for the secondhand purchase you're making to hold it. They will likely just keep your money and leave you unread. If something is too good to be true or information or money is exchanging hands, be suspicious and be careful. So I guess I should stop sending money to that prince that keeps emailing me. Hey, Josh. Absolutely. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Do you have any other tips for our listeners? If something feels off to you, trust your gut and figure out a reliable way to verify if it's legitimate or a scam. There's always a way and the worst thing that could happen if you don't deal with it today is that you're going to have to deal with it tomorrow. So it really comes down to staying vigilant, being critical about anything we receive and analyzing the source. It's great information for us, Josh. I hope you've all been taking notes because I know I sure have here. <laughs> So in preparation for this conversation, AUSU reached out to Athabasca University to ask for input, specifically Jennifer Schaefer, who is the Vice President of Information Technology and Chief Information Officer for AU. Uh, Jennifer put us in touch with AU Security Awareness Analyst, Cleopatra Machango. Cleo provided three top e-safety points that align perfectly with everything you've told us so far, Josh. Uh, being aware of social engineering and scams protecting our accounts, and protecting our devices. Cleo starred the extent to which phishing scammers go to to get your personal information or your login information. They may even use your own information against you, kind of like Josh mentioned. So they might pretend to uh, or attack you just because you're an AU student, for example, making emails appear to come from a trusted source within the university. Being vigilant and confirming sources before clicking links or giving out personal information is key, just as you explained to us, Josh. Cleo also validated the strong password plea that Josh made, stating that passwords need to be unique and we should not be using the same one for more than one account, which I know a lot of us are guilty of because it's just easier, right? So using a password manager can mitigate this, um, just like LastPass, like Josh explained, and can help keep track of all these different passwords. And protecting our devices comes down to ensuring you keep things up to date. That was something that Cleo mentioned is important, that a lot of the times these updates are fixing um, things that the program have identified as vulnerabilities. And this includes also our antivirus, which Josh mentioned, and making sure that we have it activated properly. 
So being proactive about your e-safety can save you headaches down the road. Well, Josh, that brings us to the end of our podcast on e-safety. Thank you so much for joining us today and for sharing all of this invaluable knowledge with us. Not all of us can be as lucky as me to have a Josh easily at our disposal, so educating ourselves on safe online behavior is the utmost importance. Athabasca University is hosting its own uh, security-type webinar as part of Fraud Prevention Month called Recognizing and Avoiding Investment Scams. This will be held on March 25th at 12 p.m. Mountain Time. So check out the hub on the university's website, athabascau.ca, to register through Eventbrite. Yours truly will be co-hosting the event on behalf of AUSU with representatives from OGSA, which is AU's Graduate Students Association. The main speaker is going to be James McTavish, who is a Senior Advisor of Investor Education at the Alberta Securities Commission. Check it out to learn more about how to keep you and your money safe. From AUSU, this is your VPFA, Leah Campbell, signing off and wishing you all a great rest of your day.